Hey guys, Dano here. Just want to wish you all a very Merry Christmas. Hope you all spent the day with friends, family and good times. And thank you once again for your support in 2018. You've made this year bigger and better than ever before and we wouldn't be here without your support. So thank you so much for tuning into the show each and every week. Your support truly means the world to me. Just a bit of a heads up. So there's going to be a bit of confusion over the next couple of weeks. So we uploaded for you a couple of days ago our Christmas special. Well, it's sort of a bit jumbled up because we thought, why make you guys wait the extra week for it when Christmas was this week? We'll just whack the Christmas special up now. So the old man and the Lisa, that's going to be uploaded in two weeks. So next week, there's going to be a week's break. So we're going to be taking a week off as we do at the end of every year. And the following week, you're going to get the old man and the Lisa and so forth. So the reviews will continue after that. During the old man and the Lisa review, we do actually mention that coming up is the Christmas special. That's because we recorded it before the Christmas special. So just a heads up, don't get confused. When we upload that one in a couple of weeks, during the podcast at some point, we do plug the Christmas special, but we gave that to you guys this week just because we love you guys and we figured it's Christmas. Why upload the Christmas special two weeks after Christmas time? So you've got that Christmas special in your ears. I hope you enjoyed it. The wives loved coming on board and also got the first official appearance of Elliot on the podcast, which which meant a lot to me as well. I'm looking forward to getting the guy into the show more and more often once he can actually speak a few words and string a sentence together. Uh, so what we've done here, this episode here is one we recorded exclusively for Patreon, but as a little Christmas treat, a little Christmas gift to you guys, we thought we'd throw it out there for free. So uh, it's the Jurassic Bark review from our Tales of Futurama podcast. So Tales of Futurama is the podcast that we put up on Patreon. Uh, we've reviewed the complete first season of Futurama so far. Now, if you want access to all of our Futurama podcasts that are available right now on Patreon, it's just $5 a month. Uh, you get access to all the Futurama ones, all of our Movie Guys podcasts. Last week, or just before Christmas, we did a review, a movie commentary, actually. Guy, Mitch, and myself sat down and did a full commentary of Die Hard, one of the greatest Christmas movies of all time. So you can find that on there as well. We also did a review of the original Superman movie to celebrate the 40th anniversary, plus so many hours of content on the Patreon page. Uh, for as little as $2 per month, you can get access to some podcasts. You also get access into the uh, the Four Finger Discount Facebook group, which is really a really great community of, uh, of Simpsons fans. I absolutely love that place. But also, a big announcement. So, coming up in 2019, we've done the first season of Futurama. Coming up in 2019... Talking Seinfeld. We're going to be doing a Seinfeld podcast. I've finally been able to convince Mitch to do it. We're going to be going back all the way to the beginning of Seinfeld and reviewing the show. We're going to do the first season available exclusively on Patreon. So for $5 a month, not only will you get access to the Simpsons feed, the Simpsons show, four-figure discount a week early, access to all of our exclusive Simpsons podcasts, access to all of our Movie Guys podcasts, access to all of our trivia podcasts, access to all of our Tales of Futurama podcasts, access to our Talking Seinfeld podcast for just $5 per month. Um, you don't have to, obviously, but you know the support, it really does help us you know, because we buy new cameras and we buy new mics of all the money that comes in through the door. And we really want 2019 to be like the biggest year possible because we're going to be focusing on providing more video content. The YouTube channel is really going to be utilized. That's my goal for 2019 is to, to really take, a, take advantage of that YouTube channel that we got for Four Finger Discount start filming the podcast, start filming, just start filming more content because we feel that's what we're lacking at the moment. We've got, the, we've got a great podcast going, but we, we have a really good vodcast going as well. So look out for that. But yeah, patreon.com slash four discount. You can find it for as little as $2 per month to get access into the prize drawers, Facebook group, and some podcasts. $5 per month is your key. That's where you get access to all of the podcasts. But anyway, like I said, just a bit of a plug there. 
apologies for the plug, but it had to be said. Like I said, Talking Futurama's on there, Talking Seinfeld's on there, uh, or it's going to be on there soon. Uh, the Movie Guys podcast and so much more and the, the Simpsons feed a, a week early, as, as you already know. Thank you so much for your support again throughout 2018. You guys are absolute champions. We're looking forward to hopefully making 2019 our best year yet. Uh, and for, for now, I hope you enjoy our review of Jurassic Park, one of the saddest episodes of any television show ever made. So get the tissues ready. It's Jurassic Park, Futurama, normally exclusively on Patreon, but it's now for free for you guys because we love you so much. Here's a little Christmas gift. I'm Dando, and I'll catch you guys in the new year. Thank you so much once again. Enjoy. everyone I'm back baby welcome to four finger discounts exclusive patreon only that's not the way that works patreon exclusive futurama review podcast what are we calling it again this week dando i think it is called the futurama of tomorrow exactly right exactly right uh i I, of course, am Mitch, and I am joined by my esteemed colleague, Brendan Dando. I love that you don't even get me, let me say my own name. Uh, that, well, uh, you know, you do your intros, I do my intros. This is the way <laughs> I feel like traditionally you are supposed to introduce the person rather than make them say your own name, and I've been suffering for the last couple of years. With no, having... it's a case of I, I say my name better than you do, so let me say my name. <laughs> oh, is that what it is? I can't say Dando. No, that, no, that's what I got three years ago. You were like, don't say my name. I'll introduce myself. Thank you very much. That's what happened, no, patrons. I'll just no, put down the curtain. You have made that, that up. <laughs> that never happened. I, I got an email the other day on the subject of people screwing my name up. Um, mm-hmm. I'd forgotten to do something at work for a customer on a Monday. And then on the Tuesday, they were like, just wondering when this is happening. I was like, oh, shit, shit, shit. Did it instantly and sent them a, an email going, please accept my apologies. Um, it, it's done now. And then I got back, thanks, Michael. And just went, all right, well, fuck you guys. I'm glad that I didn't do it on Monday. <laughs> How do you get... I guess it, it starts with an M? No, I? no, I don't know. I used to get it in high school. There'd be at least two teachers a year that would either call me Michelle or Michael when you're going through that first roll call of all the classes and they would instantly lose me. It'd just be like, you, you've got to look at all of the letters that make up a word. I don't. I just can't see how Mitchell's one of those names that you get wrong. No, I, I sometimes get Brandon. The other thing, though, is that my name only shows up as Mitch in my email, so it, it's doubly fucked that they've. No, added it doesn't the... actually. No, it doesn't. It's it's Mitchell Grinter for your work one, man. Oh what? Well, my yeah, sign- you come through. My signature only says Mitch, and the actual email address is just Mitch. So, are you sure? No, it's Mitchell. It's Mitchell. It, oh, it might show up as that in an inbox for someone else, but it's definitely. Oh, okay. It's definitely just Mitch at. 
blah blah blah. Ah, okay. Anyway, Fair that's enough. all beside the point. We are here. I'm we're just s- trying to. I'm just trying to stall time because I don't want to have to do this. <laughs> <laughs> have you got your tissues? Ah, uh, man, there were tissues aplenty. I watched the first episode of Dogs on Netflix the other day, and I don't know what people were, you know, complaining about being having it all be sad. I only cried forty seven times. <laughs> is it is it actually te- like terribly sad? Um, no, it's it's not sad. It's not like say in the first episode, it's about a girl that's got epilepsy and she gets a um, uh, what are they called? A companion dog. So like he's kind of trained that if she has a fit, then he'll start barking like crazy. So someone will come find her. It's just sweet. It's really really sweet, and it's people in sad situations getting by with a dog. Um, the second episode, though, is about a guy that's trying to get his husky out of Damascus in the middle of the war that's going on over there, and I don't know if I'm going to be ready for that. Wait, so this is oh, so it's not a scripted show; it's no, like it's a documentary. Document, yeah, documentary series. Oh no, I can't watch it. Nope. <laughs> but there's so many cute puppies, Dan. No, nah, just no. They're all so beautiful. Can't... Oh, there was so, one so there's a moment and okay so we're here to review Jurassic Park by the way which is why we're talking yeah, about dogs we're out of order for our normal Futurama reviews we've jumped all the way from season 1 to season 5 that is because uh, of Mr. Reese Reese Hall Hall thank you I'd forgotten his name that was a setup joke he didn't forget your name no what it was is I started thinking about Mike Reese the Simpsons writer um, and then once that was in my head then I, I was nowhere anyway he has requested that we review Jurassic Park. So I've had three beers and I'm ready to get emotional. But so in the first episode, back on dogs on Netflix, there's a, a little boy, like there's 30 people that are all getting their companion dog for different reasons. So some might be epilepsy, someone's, some are blind, some is just because they need help getting around because of vertigo or something like that. And there's one kid there, a little Asian boy, who looks about 10, 12, somewhere in that, who's got crippling shyness. Like, when he gets introduced to the room, he's hiding behind a big kind of stuffed gorilla, um, like, that he takes everywhere with him as his little comfort blanket type thing. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. So, he's crying just at being introduced and waves and then instantly hides his head. And then his mum introduces the gorilla and this kid even while he's crying is still polite enough to hold the gorilla's paw up to wave to everybody which is like so instantly i'm warm to the kid when he sees his dog it's like he just forgets that everyone else is in the room and his face lights up and his eyes are wide and he smiles for the first time and i was just i was a fucking mess on the couch watching that the world would be such a better place if we were like dogs if we were like dogs yeah 100 percent. dogs are the greatest living being on the planet They've got to be right up there. They genuinely bring out the best in everybody who comes in contact with them. Well, except not for, all dogs, not all well, dogs. Well, I was going to say except for people that don't like dogs. But if you let a dog into your life, then absolutely they do. And they just—I've got Murphy at my feet while I record this one. This is the first time that Murphy has joined me for a full recording, and it's purely because I just felt that I needed to have him here if I was going to talk about. Uh, about Fry and his dog and the connection that he has with Seymour. If there's one thing that is wrong with dogs, it's that they don't live long enough. That'd be my only complaint. I wish Labradors lived 80 years. Yeah, that is completely true. It is shattering. But I made the mistake. So that was going to be my plan as well. I was going to have Jet in the studio here with me, just chilling on the couch. Mm. And then we went and visited my nan this afternoon after work. I had dinner at her place and she said, oh, can Jet stay the night? I said, yeah, sure, no worries. I get home and I go, oh no. I'm recording Jurassic Park. My dog's not here with me. What have I done? <laughs> I'm a monster. We get, 
<laughs> Getting back to uh, before though, when you said people that don't like dogs, they, they don't count anyway because they're not real people. <laughs> That's yeah, absolutely right. Like whenever I get that, again, I've got a Labrador. You've oh, I've got two. You've got a Labrador. When you approach people on the street and you see them like get uneasy, you're like, it's a fucking Labrador, man. Uh, you have a problem if you like, like I don't care if you got mauled at some point in your past. You didn't get mauled by a Labrador ever. No one ever has. It's just they 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 love everything. It comes down to the parenting as well, because sometimes you see the parents try and protect their child from Jet when you were walking down the street. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. Sit- so- he's sitting at the lights, wagging his tail. <laughs> what are you frightened about? He's on the other side of the road, eating a bone. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that's why with Elliot, what we're doing is we're letting Jet, we're letting Jet walk up and lick him in the face, or you know, just rough and tumble with Jet because we want him to be used to dogs. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I think it is important. I, like, I grew up in a family where I, my dad had a German Shepherd when I was young, and. I, I mean, that was an attack dog, mostly. I spent a lot of my years running away. Um, was, you know, when dad couldn't be bothered <laughs> reaching <laughs> reaching for the wooden spoon, he just sicked the dog onto me. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I'm joking, He's I'm joking. He's for meat now. I'm joking, of course. Ace was his name. He went on to join the police force. He was an awesome dog. But my mum always had dogs, so I've never... I'm that sort of, like, complete opposite. I could see a Doberman in a, in a car yard, like get out of here, this is my turf. And I'll be like, oh, you know, he's just a cute little puppy. He just needs a little scratch behind the ears and he'll be fine. And I'll hop over the fence and say hello. That's why I think one of the most relatable uh, moments in the history of The Simpsons for me comes from the pilot where Homer falls in love with Santa's little helper. Mm. The idea of a dog does not want it. But then when he looks him in the eyes, he goes, oh, I can't resist it. There's I was n- like, yes, I, yeah, I am you. There's nothing but goodness in them. Yeah, exactly right. So, um, what did you think then? So, I... I Actually, how many times have you seen Jurassic Bark and when was the first time? So, I'm going to set the stage. So, I remember I was late to the party with Futurama. I think I mentioned this in our first Futurama review. I didn't yep. start watching it until the DVDs came out. So, I had no awareness of what was going to happen, right? I just saw, oh, an episode about Fry getting his dog. This is going to be fucking great. I'm going to yeah. love this. I love <laughs> dogs, right? And I would have been, I don't know, well, when this episode aired, this aired in 2002. So I probably watched it about 2005-ish, mm-hmm. 2004. So, it would have been about 13, 14. Or whatever. Was it 13, 14? Yeah, about 14 years old. And I'm sitting in my bedroom. I remember I remember the fucking first time I watched it. I watched it on DVD. And the episode, when you're watching it the first time, you just expect it to have the happy ending. So it's actually mm. a nice episode. You're like, oh, you know, Seymour's waiting for him. But you know, eventually they'll come together and it'll all be happy. So you don't mind. Yeah. And then when you get that ending, I remember thinking, just I remember I sat there for a moment. I, I didn't know whether I was sad. I didn't know whether I was angry. I actually... I'd never been moved so much by a cartoon series ever. No, nothing ever in the history of The Simpsons moved me the way this moved me. It was the biggest gut punch I think I've just about ever experienced in scripted television. Yeah, I was going to say that not just The Simpsons, like just a lot of TV shows in general. It's rare that an episode ends on a note like this. And I mean, we talk about The Wire a lot, but... and. I don't want to go into spoiler territory, but in the second is it second season, second season there is a character, and I'll say this so you know it. There's a character who meets his demise in a prison, and that happens in the last yep. couple moments of the episode, and the camera kind of lingers on it. Um, and yeah, it's a similar a similar feeling of like, oh fuck, like they've ended it, they've left it there, like. It's not even done as a cliffhanger. It's just done as a wallow in sadness for the next week, guys. Cheers. And I was the same as you when I first watched this. I don't remember when it was, but there's nothing like in the blurb that would give it away. If you look up 
you know, Fry discovers the intact fossilized remains of his pet dog from his old life, the professor reveals that he can clone the animal. So you're like, oh yeah, sweet. Maybe like there maybe there'll be some clone hijinks or something like that, but you're not in any way expecting it to go down the path that it does end up going down. But it is so it, it's so much better for it. If they didn't have that ending this episode, I don't think it would be remembered as well or rated as highly. It would become forgettable if they give you the happy ending. The reason that for the fact that they don't, it sticks with you forever. I get that. I still, I don't know, I I can really appreciate the balls it took to do this because it took some serious balls to go through with this ending. Hmm. I still don't, I, it, it affected me, man. Like it, it's, I, I'm, not, I'm not lying right now. I have not watched it since I watched it for that first time until I had to watch it for this review. Yeah, okay. I made the. I said to myself, "Well, I am never going to fucking watch that ever again in my life." <laughs> and I'm, I'm looking. And right now, do you want me to be honest? I actually stopped it just before the ending. I couldn't watch it. I actually couldn't watch really? it. Really? I could feel. I could honestly. No joke. I could feel the tears. I was getting like my heart wasn't beating fast, but I was getting all butterflies. I was like, I actually can't do it. I actually can't watch it. How I can't do it? How do you then? I'm wondering if mm. this might be a case of the movie Seven, how the ending was so impactful that people actually saw things that didn't happen. What is your memory of how the episode actually ends? He is sitting there at the front whilst life is transpiring. It's like a time lapse and he's mm-hmm. just looking and waiting. Mr. Panucci sort of befriends him, feeds him, sort of takes him as a pet, I guess you could say. Mr. Panucci eventually gets old. We assume dies. Panucci gets all worn down. Everything just goes to shit around him and he's just sitting there waiting and he eventually lays down, closes his eyes. That's the end. Okay. Well, you've remembered that pretty spot on then. Because I yeah, actually... I, I told you, it stuck with me. It, it fucking stuck with me. <laughs> In my head, I'd remembered there being a flash somewhere because of the instant fossiliz- fossilization. I was like, well, something must have happened. And I remembered maybe that, that there was like an allusion to whatever it was that killed him off screen. But... Uh, so I was a little bit surprised to go back and go, oh, no, he just closes his eyes. He's not even dead. He's just waiting. And there's, I mean, there's a kind of elegant hinting at the fact that his life ends by having him close his eyes. But it's not like we actually see it happen, which I'd remembered happening. No, but still, can I ask you, what did you think of the ending? Because you went into it. You were saying last week, you didn't know whether it was going to be a good episode. You think it's just because of the ending. Mm. Watching it the second time... Did you were you in the back of your mind just waiting for the end, or did you did you like the episode? Because for me, this, watching it this second time was actually harder because things happen throughout the episode, and you know how it ends. The first time I was the first time I was like, oh, yeah, you know, they're not listening to him, but it doesn't matter. It eventually work out. When I know that it doesn't work out, I I I'm I kept writing in my notes, why are they fucking doing this? Why are they doing this to me? <laughs> what is the what that, that actually before you answer that question, answer this one. Why did they make this episode? What purpose was it? Was it just to upset people? No, it's not just to upset people. It's to move people. Like, yeah. not everyone is going to walk away from this upset in... Oh, oh, well, they're not real people. No, no, no. What I mean by that is some people are going to see the sadness as a beauty. They're going to celebrate how much a dog's life can mean to them. So, yes, it makes you sad, but it's that kind of bittersweet or happy sad. I think that's what they're going for. And I think that... Sometimes, it's like horror movies and why people like to be scared. I I love when a movie or a TV show can make me sad because it's sad in a controlled way. It's not like real life loss. It's experiencing loss through something else. So you can kind of, 
have the catharsis of dealing with and processing those sorts of emotions, but it it's not actually you. It's not a permanent thing. It's just the TV show that you're watching. And I think that there is a, a very important place in all form of art for that. Not to say that all art has to be that, but that it needs to be included. And if you have an opportunity that you can do that and reach for something a little bit higher, then I, you know, I, I think you should take it upon yourself to to give it a crack. And again, I think that because of because of the fact that they did, it just elevates it to something beyond what any other episode of Futurama has been. It was actually nominated for an Emmy. And it lost to the Simpsons episode three gays of the condo. I have no idea. What? How how in fucking God's name did this episode lose any award that it was nominated for? It should have. You know what? If you took out a bunch of the shit with Bender, you could submit this to like Tropfest or something. I know that's an Australian reference, but you could submit this as a ten minute package as a short film and it would win awards at international film festivals. Like it it's the quality of the writing is that good. I actually forgot about the the Bender B plot. And that that B plot is largely what I was talking about when I was saying how I wasn't sure if I was going to like the episode. As in, not if I was going to like the episode as a whole, but I was like, oh, I, does the ending paper over the fact that some of those scenes dragged on just a little bit too much for me? But overall, I didn't... Uh, when I went back to watch it, I overall didn't have that same problem. It was more... There were a couple moments where I was like, I get it, you, yeah, and you've just been a little bit of a dick here. And that was a lingering memory that felt like a bigger problem over time than it actually was when I went back to rewatch. Bender actually made me yell out the C-bomb when I watched it. When he threw the dog into the lava and was laughing about <laughs> it, I yelled, I couldn't, I was like, what the, f- what? <laughs> I, 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 I forgot that Bender was the one that, you know, rescued him in the end and yep. redeemed himself, I guess you could say, but... When he did that, I was like, holy shit, I hate the character of Bender now. And that's a cut to commercial, isn't it, too? Yep, it sure is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's um, that's a really... As you said, he does save him pretty quickly, but yeah, that's a thing that a lot of people would not forgive him for had they not resolved it. Oh, no, they are very smart in the sense that they got Bender to rescue him because if they didn't, that character would not be likable to yeah. a lot of fans after that. One of my favorite, one of my favorite sequences as far as comedy goes in that whole se- section, by the way, just the uh, "I am a professor. Why is no one listening to me?" I, I love the, the not that line. I love the professor lava hot. <laughs> <laughs> but getting back to that final moment, so did it affect you like you thought it would? Like, did it did it still get you as a gut punch? It did. I didn't. Knew it was I didn't cry watching it a second time round. I, I honestly, I don't even remember if I actually cried the first time around. I cried. I, I genuinely needed a moment after I watched it. I couldn't believe. I actually couldn't believe it. Yeah. I, I mean, when I when I first would have seen this, I didn't have a dog of my own, and I was a little bit. I was in a state in my late teens, early twenties, where I was probably a little bit more detached emotionally. So I. Like, while I would have watched it and been like, oh, man, like, that's a real kick in the guts, I wouldn't, I, di- I didn't used to cry very often. Um, I've certainly softened up in my older years. But I, I, I did still really feel that all of that emotion in watching it. And it's such a beautiful choice of song that they play over the top as well. Uh, I think one of the bits that did hit me the most, and it, I didn't actually pick up on it until it was the second time, was that Fry's last words to him were just wait here for me, okay? 
It's like it's not like oh. like there's a double edged thing here of a he's waiting for him because that's where he knows he would be, and that was kind of my interpretation of it the whole way through because I'd never really either heard that line or or had remembered that line, but then it was that thing of like, oh my god, like he said stay and he's staying. Like he he ran around a little bit to look for him, but then it's just the trust to go. No, he said he'll be back, so I will just wait here until he comes back. That's why it was the hard, it was harder to watch it the second time for me because of moments like that. And there's also the part where Fry rocks up the first time and Seymour Zane he goes, Ah, Seymour, waiting for me as always. And I was like, Oh, yeah, Jesus Christ, this, why it's so hard? It was so hard to watch. Yeah, another good little line of foreshadowing was the. Uh, when he's delivering the first pizza to the guy, um, what was the fake name? Seymour asses, butts. Seymour asses. Yeah. yeah. Um, or Seymour <laughs> butts. Seymour asses. Yeah. Asses. I think it's up. Yeah. Whatever it is, but yeah. I. Yeah. It's not Seymour butts because that's from The Simpsons. Um, yeah, Seymour asses. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I really love the. It, like, does anyone live here with that name? No, nobody has that name. <laughs> but the thing of like, I hope you. Uh, what is it? I hope in time you realize what an idiot you've been. And Fry's line of like, not likely or I wouldn't count on it or something along those lines. Then it's the fact that it's a prank call that sells him into that trouble again in the millennium. So it's a kind of cool way of planting that seed. Or for people that remember the pilot episode, when he says that, it just gives you that extra little bit of, ah, this is going to end badly. Yeah. Before I, because I actually stopped it. Just as I started to hear Connie Francis' song, I Will Wait For You, that's when I stopped it. Okay. I didn't watch it after that, right? I couldn't. But there was two moments where I actually had to pause it and stop and go get a glass of water. And I'm telling you, this episode affected me that much. So the first time was when he, he the, uh, the oh, here, waiting for me as always. That kicked me in the guts, right? The other time was when uh, Seymour puts his paw on Fry's tire. Yeah. The animation on Seymour in that moment was beautiful. And that grabbed me as well, because I don't know if Jet does this for you, but like, well, Indy doesn't. It's the exact move that Murphy will pull on me if I'm putting my shoes on to go outside, and he'll like he knows that if he puts his paw on my knee, he's going to get a scratch. So if he sees me putting shoes on, he'll often wander over to me, sit down in front of me, put a paw on the knee, and try to delay me going anywhere by getting a scratch on the head. Dogs are amazing. Yeah. Now I might be slightly projecting some of that. It could just be that he wants a scratch. <laughs> yeah. By the same, but by the same token, that's how it feels, and I. I think with a lot of stuff with dogs, if you believe it to be real, then it's real and that's all that matters. Like magic or wrestling. Yeah, or free will. I think you say free willy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you mentioned before about how you didn't quite have that connection. See, I've always had dogs and I actually got my first dog, Sophie, when I was eight. And she was legitimately my dog. I got her as a Christmas present. She was my dog. She, was, okay. she slept in my bed. She came everywhere with me. I remember her being on the floor when I watched this episode. And I just had to give her a big cuddle. <laughs> yeah. When you're watching this with, with Murphy, did you just have to just like, not give him a cuddle, I guess, but just, no, you just give him a pat or something. Just, I was, I was actually, done, nothing was wrong. You know, I but. was actually busy trying to push him away because I was eating my dinner. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> I was having a halal snack pack and he just went, oh, what's this exciting combination of sauces that you've brought home? And I had to be like, bud, get to the other end of the couch, please. But once I'd finished, then I did give him a big hug. So what do you think overall as like for the episode? So you got, we've talked about the ending, but the episode in general, do, did it live up to your expectations? Because you didn't have very high expectations. So was it? do you think it was a good episode besides the Bender stuff? Uh, I do. I, I mean, the, the Fry stuff is the strongest through line. I, like the, I, I really thought that there was a lot of comedy and a lot of laughs to be had in you know, going back to Petnucci's and the ass paddle and that sort of thing. And the volunteer housewife that had a 45-minute induction. Um, 
the flashbacks uh, did they were a little bit more hit and miss, I thought, in parts, but still pretty funny and did a good job of you know showing a little bit of that. Um, I think the most important thing that the flashbacks did was show Seymour as being real scraggy and skinny when we first meet him, and then the second time we see him after he's been hanging out with Fry for a bit, his coat looks better, he's put on weight. Like that helped instantly show that Fry has actually cared for him, not just seen him on the street and scratched his ear and slipped him the occasional bit of pizza. Like he's really taken up, taken to it. That's why this episode hurts you even more because Seymour was Fry's only real friend, you know, real companion. His family treated him like shit. His girlfriend treated him like shit. His boss treated him like shit. Seymour was his best mate. To have the at the ending Fry do what he did, whilst it was the wrong thing to do. Looking back now, in hindsight, you know how it actually ended in hindsight, yeah. But what did you think of that moment that Fry was willing to give up the chance to see Seymour once again because he felt that he had another life? Yeah, it's beautifully selfless, and and you can understand exactly why he would have thought that. And I don't think I would have made that same decision personally. Um, I would have had faith that even if he did have a long life, that he would still remember who I was when he came back. But that said, yeah, it's that thing of gone. Well, it was summed up so eloquently when he says that I'll remember him for the rest of my life. But you know, he would—he's already lived. He's had his life, and it would be selfish of me to bring him back. There aren't many times that Fry is truly selfless, and or not the, of what I've seen so far, anyway. And this is definitely one of them. Do you know the original plan was to have them find Fry's mum? And they thought that the audience would find that too sad, so they changed it to the dog. Are they fucking kidding me? No, it's way more sad if it's your mum. But the thing is, how would they have ended it though? Because you couldn't say, "Oh no, don't bring my mum back to life because she wouldn't remember me." Like, what, what would the? What, how would they have ended that? You could still have done a thing of, if he found out that she lived until she was eighty-five, then she, you know, or whatever, like a long life, then she would have already come to terms with the fact that he was gone and. Same deal. She would have got, okay, so she would have processed this and dealt with this a long time ago. Is it fair of me to bring her back into this new scary world? And what state is she go, even going to be in if we're cloning someone that was that old? Yeah, I remember just thinking when that happened, I went, oh, God, he was waiting at the front for 12 years. I forgot about that. Oh, man. Yeah. But it is, it, like, and I had genuinely, I'm sure they could have scienced their way around it, but... If you're cloning a 15-year-old, I don't think you get to bring him back as a two-year-old. So, how much longer would you really have had? Oh, I, I know in hindsight, it's just like, but he just wanted to see him one last time. But Fry didn't know that. Oh, man. Oh, before we get into it, I wanted to actually discuss with you. So, they revisited it in Bender's Big Score and they sort of like fixed everything up for the people who were sad as a result. What are your thoughts on the fact that in Bender's Big Score, Fry goes back in time and actually lives a full life with Seymour? Uh, I haven't seen Bender's Big Score. I'm... So, I have none. <laughs> oh, you haven't seen it, really? <laughs> nah, no, nah, I, I never watched any of the movies. Um, so, okay, spoiler alert, for everyone who's listened to this has watched that movie. It's, it's, it was actually part of the uh, season. They broke it up into four episodes, but they released okay. it as a movie as well. So, Fry goes back in time and spends a full life living in the upstairs at, P- at Panucci's. So, mm-hmm. that's why in the time lapse, you could say that the dog was always at the front. But Fry was just upstairs and Seymour was just chilling at the mm. front. He wasn't actually waiting for him. And then the uh, a clone... Oh, was it Bender? Bender goes back in time and he's supposed to go back and kill Fry. That's the. It's like a Terminator ripoff, right? Yeah. And he blows up Panucci's and the, from the explosion, that's what fossilizes Seymour. Right. Well, no, I don't really like that then because that just kind of rips around the whole 
it retrofits this episode, and I'm not a big yeah. fan of that. Yeah, it, it takes away the fact that it takes away the gut punch. So when it comes to satisfying you as a viewer, I was I was glad to watch it. I was like, oh, finally some closure. I needed closure on it because it was a dog. I think it was a dog. If it was his mum, I don't think it would bother me as much. And it sounds stupid to say, but because it was his dog and I'm such a dog person, I needed that closure. Mm. But I can still understand how some people would be annoyed by that because, it, like you said, it ruins the initial gut punch of the of the Jurassic Park episode. Yeah. Aside from that. What else? There's not a huge amount else to really discuss. Everything else is on the periphery in this episode. I mean, we've time jumped massively, but is it a common thing that they just have Leela dressing in unnecessarily sexy outfits to fight? I wrote that as well. I was like, what is the point of having Leela and whatnot in this outfit and fighting? It just doesn't seem to make sense. It was like they needed for them to be doing something. So let's just have them doing that. That felt really out of place. I was fine with the fact that they were fighting and training. It was just like, why is she wearing a Princess Leia-style slave girl outfit? Quite often in Futurama, the girls are wearing really revealing clothing. That's not uncommon. Yeah, okay. Well, it was... I mean, it is uncommon compared to what we have seen. Normally, it's just, you know, the singlet and... Well, whatever it might be, like kind of sensible kick-ass attire. Yeah. Now, I'm going to tell you that I forgot to do some trivia because I was too upset watching this. I oh, just realized okay. I've got no trivia well, questions. I've got you, four you questions. You just hit me with some. Yeah, you hit right, me with some. Yeah. I'll see how you go. Uh, what yeah. was the name of the one, min- one millionth customer of uh, Panucci's? So it wasn't Seymour Asses. No. <laughs> oh, who was it? Uh, Mr. Patelli. Mr. Patelli. Um, what was the book that Leela was reading outside the museum while Fry was protesting? I remember seeing it. No, nothing. It was Dances of the Ancient Bronx. That's it. Because he was doing the... Um, Do the, the hustle. hustle. Yeah. 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 Uh, which the, I loved. I really, really loved the way that they were, you know, studying the past and trying to take yes. just common everyday things and turning them into big meanings. Like that, this was a prayer to the gods for a Trans Am. <laughs> um, I will say it's hard to read book covers when you're watching this through tears. So. Oh, there was nothing sad at that particular moment. <laughs> who did Bender dig up? I don't know. He had the skeleton in his stomach. I don't know who. A yeah, king of it some was kind. Charlemagne, former king of the Franks. Okay. And uh, my final question is, who was playing in the Rose Bowl in, uh, on January 1st, 2000? Mm-hmm. New York? Uh, no. So, it no. It wasn't an NFL team. It was college ball. A college ball. Okay. Who? It was Wisconsin and Stanford. Um, the Wisconsin giveaway was the fact that Fry's mum was wearing a cheese head, um, which... Of course, yeah. Now, I I didn't realise that Wisconsin College was also the same as this, but yeah, so Green Bay Packers fans, Green Bay from Wisconsin, are famously known as cheese heads and they wear that attire. So I was originally sitting here going, what? No, there was no football played on January 1st. This is a sham. And <laughs> then I looked it up and went, also because the first time I missed the bit where the screen like they show you the TV to see the two teams playing so, but then I looked up and went oh they they played college ball on New Year's Day well that settles that then delete that page of notes <laughs> <laughs> I will say in regards to the flashbacks I did like the little subtitle of the summer of I know what you did last summer <laughs> yeah yeah that was pretty funny actually <laughs> Alrighty, was so it the summer of I know what you did last summer, or the summer of I still know what you did last summer? Oh, well, 1998 it was. So that was the maybe it was the second one because the first one. No, no, the, the first one was 98, wasn't it? Because Scream was 90. No, Scream was 96, wasn't it? No, it was 97. I know what you did last summer. No, so it must have been must have been I still know. Did, did the sequel come yeah. out really quickly? Probably would have. 
I think they capitalized pretty hard. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think Scream had 19. four films out in two years, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> 1998, for I still know what you did last yeah, summer. Okay. But maybe when they made Does the episode. Have... Is that a young John Marsden in that film? No, it's not. It just kind of half looked like him on that screen. Oh, good. Move on. What, what would you think? He's the writer, isn't he? Isn't John um, Marsden a writer? John. Hold on two seconds. Who am I thinking of? John, Ma- I swear, John Marsden is a writer, an Australian writer. That's why I'm like, you are correct. Okay, <laughs> I was just like, wait, look, um, that's why I was so confused. I was like, really, that that guy? Why would he be in it? And why would he be the young version? No. This was '98. <laughs> Who am I thinking of? <laughs> Hold on a second. Stop the show. <laughs> no, I'm not stopping the show. You just said John Marsden was in. I still don't. We did last summer. James, sorry, James Marsden oh, is who I was thinking. James of. Marsden. Okay, now I know what you're talking yeah. about. I was anyway, so, so confused one of, for a second. <laughs> <laughs> one of the young teens in one of the posters looked a little bit like him, but then on further inspection, that was very wrong. Anyway, that's all beside the point. I just know James um, Marsden as the um the toy boy from Coyote Ugly. <laughs> uh, what was your favorite moment of the episode? Uh, my favorite moment, I did. Well, I, I liked. I had, my note was Professor, but we've already discussed that. Him going, Professor, lava, hot. Um, mm-hmm. I also did like when Bender's tears were a water balloon and shit just kept going off like before that commercial <laughs> yeah. break. I did like that visual gag. That was very funny. That almost that had me thinking of Job from Arrested Development. Yes. Yep. It just it, it just kept going. <laughs> just and but yeah. I didn't mind it because everything was funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I also really liked when he's holding out um tissues for Fry and it's just the never ending string yes. of. Hankies. Magician Hankies, um, yeah. My favourite moment was also, from a purely comic standpoint, was also magic-related, and it was Zoidberg um, busting out, going, I was in that half all along. It's magic. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't like uh, Bender's beatdown after that. It was too harsh to be funny. No, I still found it funny because it's Zoidberg. <laughs> he's, just, he's just beating him in the head. Yeah. So I, think, I, think, I think it's when you hear the other person yelling out, Oh, stop it, please. Oh, oh. It takes for me it takes away from the humour. I'm like, oh yeah, that would be hurting them. <laughs> yeah, but you know, again, Zoidberg. Yeah. <laughs> he's I see what he's you had mean, a comment. I don't know. I like Zoidberg. <laughs> I, I like him, but he's he's the fool. Like you can crash you can crack Zoidberg as much as you like. Well let's get into the uh, the full review, but we're not gonna be going into too much depth uh, in depth here. It's just there's not much to really get into. It's just flashback real time, flashback real time, flashback real time. Yeah, so um, starts off with them practicing. Uh, in... Mitch, the patrons—they need to hear the original air date. I'm sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about your one job. My one job. Uh, the original air date was November seventeenth, two thousand and two. The opening caption was the, not affiliated with Futurama Brass Knuckle Co. And the opening cartoon was Hiss and Makeup by Merry Melodies from nineteen forty-three. Take it away, Mitch. Well, that's the information that they subscribe for. Well, they, that's what <laughs> they tell me. That and your new podcast, apparently. Uh, yeah, have you listened to that yet? No, like five minutes of it. I heard the South African guy. Bruce. <laughs> um, I, I was a big fan of Bruce, and he will appear again. Um, so, it commences with uh, Bender and Fry working on the magic act just in their apartment. Um, it's not... Well, it's not. It feels like this is going to be a cold open, but it's not because they see the paper that shows that they've found the pizzeria intact. Um, there's a visual continuity error that I picked up here, and I 
I only want to point this out because Futurama is so often so good at not doing this. But the dartboard in the background is all over the place. Like, at one point, there's one dart in it. At one point, there's no darts in it. At one point, there's two darts in it. At one really? point, there are three darts in the wall. At one point, there's no darts in the wall. They just, it's it chops and changes virtually every time they go to a close shot or to a wide shot. You're right. That's really surprising. Futurama's are usually all over that kind of stuff. Mm. Uh, so, like, again, I, I don't mean to nitpick, but it did just strike me because I don't see it very often. Next time we interview Billy West, like, what, what is this? Some kind of magic dartboard? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's going to go well with Billy. Speaking of Billy, uh, speaking of Billy West, um, there's a clip on YouTube. It goes for about two minutes of him discussing this episode. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. That'd be sweet. You know what? I was looking at my notes going, why do I not have anything from the first bit here? And then I realized I was just reading the same trivia questions over and over and over again, <laughs> waiting for something to change. <laughs> um, yeah, it's so, funny you, you mentioned that you thought this was going to be a cold opening because we've, we've jumped forward a few seasons now. So that's why they don't do cold openings anymore. But, you still yeah. have, but we're, we're doing reviews on the first season. So we're just expecting one. Uh, a little bit. Like the language of the show has changed. But I like that the characters are all still pretty much the characters that you know and expect so but it's still not a, yeah yeah but we didn't get the sub characters much in this episode but for a good reason amount. though because we didn't need them it was meant to be about fry and seymour yeah exactly uh don't even get a lot of leah it, it, leela in leah? this one well she's just as leah <laughs> leela <laughs> sorry it's good i was thinking princess leah still from the, the bondage outfit she was wearing leah or leah um, so me she's leah what do you what do you say uh it really depends on the day of the week okay Generally, it should be Leia. <laughs> Princess Leia. So, anyway, they see the newspaper, decide that they're going to go down to the museum to check yep. out the display to see what life was like before he met Bender. Uh, I loved Bender's walk in, and truly, they were guards who built this place. I, I just love how they just think that everyone was just morons in 1999. Like, this wooden pizza paddle was used to paddle people. Oh, yeah, and also the Chamber of Commerce guys in the other exhibit all just wearing cod pieces. Yes. <laughs> but then Fry's like, well, we didn't just use it for paddling. We used it for yeah. p- taking pizzas out too. <laughs> and smushing rats. Yeah, and then he realises that it's actually his old work, doesn't he? Pinucci's. Yeah, recognises himself in the exhibit first and then looks up at the wall and says, yeah, that this is Panucci's. Uh, and Which, finds the dog fossil. Or the, uh, the worst calzone that you ever have seen. Fry's retort to the museum lady when she's like, you know, my 45 minutes induction and I'm reading trashy novels. Don't wave your fancy degrees at me. <laughs> but you can tell by now the characters are just established, aren't they? They know what who they're writing for. Yeah, like established not only to the actors, but to the writers as well. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. the writers know what the actors are going to be bringing to it so they can, you know, give them the lines that they need to be able to deliver well. And Fry, and Fry sounds a little bit different here. His, uh, voice, his voice tweaked over the, over the seasons. If you maybe actually slightly, actually, yeah, because when they go to the flashback, he does change a little bit. Mm. Um, it's minor, but it is slightly different. It's not as significant as Homer from season one to season two. Yeah, We get our first flashback when he does spot uh, Seymour, and it's how he actually meets Seymour. Ah, <laughs> oh, poor little guy. You look like you haven't eaten in a month. Here, but if Mr. Panucci asks, your name is Seymour Asses. I like you, Seymour. You're not constantly judging me like all the other dogs. Are you? 
Nah, we understand each other. People think you're just a dumb mutt who smells bad, can't find a girlfriend, and has a crummy job. But you're keeping it real, and you call no man mister. Well, goodbye. Live long and prosper. I, I didn't realize that he gave him the name because of the prank, which was kind yeah. of a nice touch, I thought. You know, that, that just sort of stuck and stayed around. Now, what he does here, I would 100% do myself. I, In fact, I did when we were in Bali. I... um. I didn't have any food, so I wasn't able to feed the homeless dog, but there's a lot of homeless dogs that roam the streets in Bali, and I was patting as many as I possibly could whenever I saw them because I thought they just needed some happiness in their life. I think I told the story previously on the podcast when we were staying in San Francisco. I looked out the window, and it was raining. There was a homeless guy sitting on the side of the road with a dog, mm. and I was sitting there in the rain, and we went down to the, um, I think, is it Walgreens? Is that what it's called? It's, called like, it's sort of like a mini supermarket. It's like a, yep. Yeah, and um, yeah, we went in there, and I bought a tin of dog food and a dog treat i bought him a uh like a sub like in the in the packet like a, a, yep. sub, a sub that you can just take out and eat like a sandwich and an umbrella and gave it to him because oh, i couldn't nice stand guy. to see a homeless dog i don't want the guy but i mean if the guy if i had to give the dog something i couldn't give the dog something not the guy but you know but then <laughs> yeah, it was just it, it was amazing to look at the window and just seeing this dog and the guy eating and he was holding the umbrella for the dog and not even himself i was like i'm glad uh-huh. i bought you something sir yeah well, I think dogs can be a very important part of a of a homeless person's life. Like yeah. it gives them a companion that they otherwise wouldn't have throughout the day. Uh, so often, when you do see dogs on the street, they tend to look pretty well fed. Like, which is another, you know, it's 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 another really touching thing about humanity that you feel like guys would rather go hungry themselves and make sure that the dog is doing fine. And I asked the, the homeless guy, his name was Jeff. I remember his name was Jeff with a G. Jeff with a G, he said. And the dog's name was Sergeant Pepper. And he goes, I named him Sergeant Pepper because <laughs> that, that album got him through his younger years and now this dog gets him through his older years. Oh, that's nice. It was nice, wasn't it? Of course it'd be a Beatles dog for you as well. What are the odds? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Didn't help that he's wearing the big blue outfit as well. Sort of gave it away. <laughs> was it the original drummer from the Beatles? <laughs> <laughs> The bum was actually just Ringo. <laughs> <laughs> once Thomas the Tank Engine stopped, once the royalty stopped rolling in, I, I realised I had nothing left to live on. <laughs> uh, so, but like you said here, Fry feeds a dog. The, it, how relatable is Fry here? Everyone would do this. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, as long as there's no onion on that pizza. But no. there probably wouldn't be because in New York style pizza typically would just be cheese, tomato, maybe some meatballs. So yeah, everything they, in there is safe for consumption. Their pizza is essentially just margaritas, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. More often than not, it's very just real, really, really big. <laughs> yeah, really cheesy margarita. Yes, yeah. Um, they, they immediately become best friends, and Fry says, "Well, look after yourself, mate." But no, the dog follows him. He wants to be. Yeah. Fry's best mate. <laughs> yeah. Well, you imagine that Fry's the first person that sort of showed him any affection for. A long time. That's true. So, yep. It makes sense that his first instinct is going to be, no, I need to be with this guy. Yeah. And But yeah, it is nice that he follows after him straight away and shows that there is that instant bond. Yep. He then, back in the real time, tries to steal Seymour. You can't mm-hmm. do that. Try and stop me. They throw him straight out. <laughs> yeah. Uh-oh. I loved Bender explaining this when they're back at Planet Express. That And then he was ejected by the guards. Needless to say, I was mortified. <laughs> 
<laughs> like he was embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> of all the shit Bender's done. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, so they're, t- they're telling the crew basically <laughs> about the whole situation, how his dog's there and he wants his dog back. So the professor suggests that you go and protest if you want to get your dog back. Mm. Which never works. No, never, ever, ever works. But Fry does it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? What do we? What do I want? Fry's dog. When do you want it? Fry's dog. Yes. And then I'll now perform the uh, my the people's dance native of my dance. People, my people's native dance. <laughs> it's when they cut to the close up. He looks so determined to do yes. the hustle. That's one of my favorite visuals from this episode. And we get the flashback of. I'm assuming it says, "I still know." They want to be. Right, but I'm sh- I'm pretty sure it just says summer of I know what you did last summer, but I could be wrong. Uh, Fry and Seymour are then singing. So, honestly, every time I hear this song, I think of this moment. I'm walking on sunshine. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I'm walking on sunshine. Whoa, whoa, whoa. boy, Seymour. Right here waiting for me as always. Do you have songs that remind you of things? Like you well, hear that song, me, and every, every time you hear the song, you think you always think of the same moment of something. For me, this song—it's not a moment from my own life, but I'm pretty sure it plays in American Psycho. So that's always connected to that for me. Okay, cool. It felt like I reckon it's one of the moments where, uh, yeah, it's playing really loud. Patrick Bateman's listening to it in the car, and Evelyn's trying to talk to him. Um, Trying, do you want like? Do you are you talking about ones from your real life or just from just in general? Anything like moments from your real life? Is there is there a song out there that you hear and you always think of the same thing every time? Oh, actually, real yeah. Life or movie TV show? So Rose Tattoo, Australian band. We can't yeah. be beaten. Um, yeah. If you want to be in my gang, stand up with me. We'll make a revolution and make the streets free. We can't. Uh, we can't be beaten. We'll give it our best. Uh, shoulder to shoulder, we're better than the best. Well, we're better than the rest, or something along those lines. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, one and under 15's premiership. So, as a 15-year-old, went around to one of the coaches' houses and, you know, drank and listened to loud music. And that was one of the songs. And it was the first time I'd ever heard of it. And because we'd just won a premiership, I reckon we must have sung that 15 or so times in a row. And I vividly remember being in the lounge room just screaming, we can't be beaten at the top of my lungs and not being able to talk the next day. It was the first time I'd ever lost my voice through partying. And... Yeah, so th- that's a that's a pretty special moment to me. I remember whenever I hear "We Are the Champions" by Queen, I always think of when we were, when I was playing little league football at North Shore. They had they had four teams at the North Shore Footy Club, and I was part of the Demons football team. You didn't get to choose; mm-hmm. they just put you in a team. And through both under nine years and the first year of under 11s, never won a game, not a single game, right? And then yep. in the uh, second year of under 11s, the Cats were always, for some reason, the best team. I think that the, the club just put the best players in the Cats because it's Geelong. So the Cats never lost. And one game we beat them. And it was like our, it was the first time I'd ever won a football game in four years. And we didn't know how to react. But I always remember we had this uh, Down Syndrome guy named Michael on our team. He played with my team. It was always the same kids on the same team as he, as he got older. And I just remember him screaming... Singing the song "We Are the Champions," we are the champions. So whenever I hear that song, I think of just how happy Michael was that we just finally won a fucking football game. <laughs> like we, we didn't win a championship; we just won a game, <laughs> and it was just like the most amazing moment of this kid's life. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> but it was just like, but it was it was just great though because I don't know it was for the, the first time in my life I'd experienced a win as a team with with other people. You know what I mean? I've never mm. I'd never won a football game. Like imagine playing four years of football and never winning a single game. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was, it's appropriate enough that you were playing for the demons, if that was the case. <laughs> I, know, I know, right? It was like the demons were always the shit team. It fucking sucked. 
<laughs> mm. <laughs> but anyway, but anyway, getting back. So, uh, <laughs> even the little league team drafted Jack Watts and he couldn't kick a goal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh man. Uh, so, uh, Mr. Panucci, I've got here. So the dog Seymour even brings out the best of Mr. Panucci. Yeah, exactly. Because Panucci's always yelling at Fry every other time we've seen him. But he's nice to Panucci. Uh, he's nice to Seymour. He even, you know, wrings his hair dry with the pizza dough, like any loving pizzeria man yes. would. It was a great use of sound effects here, making everything just seem sound unhygienic. Mm. I, I like the kid playing the game. Like, there's, what is it? There's fur on my slice. Fry, clean up. Seymour, clean up. Good dog. That's a good Seymour. Yo, there's dog fur on my slice. Nah, it's vermicelli. No fur in here. He's so cute. He can do two things at one time. Eat and swim. Ooh, three things. Now, what do you think the third thing was? Um, it's hard to tell if it's number one or number two. Could have just been a fart, I guess. No, no, it's definitely a substance. I know, I, I know. I know. <laughs> I'm assuming I'm going to go number two. It's funny if it's number two, right? Uh, yeah. Yes, it is. And yeah. easier to see. That is true. But let's let's not get into the gruesome details of that. Uh, it comes back to real time, and Fry is still protesting for three straight days, but they still won't let him have Seymour until he gives them a couple of basic pieces of information that he used to like to chase the. Oh, that was one of my that was going to be one of my questions. I didn't write it down. What bus was the it? Number twenty nine. The number twenty nine bus. Twenty nine bus. Yeah, uh, and that's all they needed to hear, and they give him Seymour. Then we have Bender, and he now has a new temporary assistant that you mentioned earlier, Mister Doctor Zoyberg. What's what's Zoyberg's first name? Uh, I. I have no idea. Does he have one? We no, he does. We should know this. Let's just uh, look it up. Doctor Zoyberg. There's going to be listeners out there who are going to be very disappointed in me not knowing that. Doctor John A. Zoyberg is his name. Okay, fair enough. Listeners know that I'm not here as an expert on Futurama. Like the whole point of me doing this is to e- enjoy it and discover it for the first time. Exactly right. Yes, yes. That's why I said they're going to be angry at me for not knowing. <laughs> uh, so Zoyberg does the big reveal. It's it's hilarious, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it, it really is. Like I I just. I love that with Bender, though, it's not just anger, that it's also, it ties back to the fact that he's missing Fry. Like, you're not fit to wear Fry's leotard. Bender in this episode, you can understand how he can't quite understand a situation because he's never had a pet. He doesn't understand the concept of a pet. But still, yeah, he's really fucking annoying sometimes. Yeah, yes. I did find him annoying at times. And that was, and as I kind of alluded to, that was why there were parts of this episode that I thought... I would find him more annoying than I did, but they were they were minor. It was it's a very very small grievance that I had, but I felt like it laboured the point a little bit in parts. That yeah, we get it. Bender's jealous. We then find out from the professor that Seymour can in fact be cloned, and Bender is very disappointed by this because he's starting to feel left out. And we get the the moment with the water balloon tears and whatnot. Very mm-hmm. very funny. You know, something just occurred to me. Like this is the episode that I'm. Sorry, I host these episodes, but then at about the halfway point through all of them, you take over and start driving that we then get, we then get, and it's like when Lisa's being interrogated by um, Seymour and by Groundskeeper Willie. It's like, you guys, you started as the good cop, but you're the bad cop. You switched halfway through and didn't realize. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, well, I, go right ahead. You, well, usually you don't have like the, all the notes. Usually you just have key moments and you don't, you sort of... You wait for me to bring up the, no, the other useless shit and then you elaborate from that. <laughs> that is very, very true because uh, my next note simply says, Seymour can be cloned, B, 
Bender cries magic. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we come back from commercial and what happens, Mitch? Uh, they go downstairs to check out the cloning device, basically. Um, Clonomat. Yes. The Clonomat to be able to bring him back from the Grim Reaper's clutch. Crappy, ineffective Reaper. I, I liked that all of this boils down to like a children's game. Of you know the dog says the cow says I have to turn this from human mode to dog mode. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, where did little clone boy come from? Uh, okay, Cuba- so there's an episode. I think it's in the second or it's probably the second season. So he clones. Okay. He clones himself. Yeah. Okay. It's a very. It's a, I think it's a called a clone of my own. If I'm going off my memory, that could be wrong. But it's actually a very very funny episode. But the kid is so so annoying that they didn't use. It. I think it was going to be one of those cases where they're going to introduce a new character, but he was so. Yep unlikable that they didn't use him very often. He was just there occasionally. He was just, he was just basically a, a younger version of the professor who's just always wisecracking and a smart ass to the point where you're just like, mm-hmm. just go away. It's go away heat, basically. So we get another flashback and this time we go back to December 31st, 1999 and see largely what we've already seen, but we get a couple new takes on it. We touched on one already and that's that Seymour does not want Fry to go. He's got doggy intuition that something bad is going to happen to his master if he does this delivery. And, of course, Fry, you know, just thinks it's a dog that's getting in the way and looking for attention or whatever it might be. Like, you're going to be dismissive of a dog in that instance. But we so badly wish that he wouldn't be. No, 100%. And it was nice to hear to get sort of uh, extended versions of the pilot scenes. We get Nibbler drawn. Is it Nibbler? It is nibbler that we get drawn into the bin. We get his little eye popping up. But even in the um, even in the Panucci's, so in the in the pilot, mm. it, it cuts from him going, "Come on!" to Fry going, "I hate yeah. my life. I hate my life." So just a little extended scene there. It was just cool just to see them just revisit the pilot. Yeah, I thought it was as well. It was a nice way to color it in a little bit and avoid just playing the same stuff that we've already seen. Yeah, basically, you see everyone celebrating for New Year's Eve at Panucci's, but. During that moment, Seymour sitting there looking concerned for Fry. My God, it is heartbreaking to look at. Yeah, it was pretty sad. When we come back to, I was going to say present day, but it doesn't feel right saying that for the year 3000, but we come back to real time, uh, future present day, and Fry is starting to prepare the house for Seymour's return. Mm, um, doggy treat. Gets the, yeah, the dog collar, the um, dog toy, the daily growl. Um, I... This is one bit that I did find very funny from Bender, where he seems to genuinely think that it's for him. Mm-hmm. like, Or he's deliberately avoiding reality. One of those two, but it's still very funny. It's like, why did you get me a subscription to the Daily Growl? This isn't a reputable... Um, was it, This isn't reputable journalism. I think it's hilarious too that like Fry's buying all these toys and stuff. Are you like me? Do you buy your dog's Christmas presents? Yes, and do your do your dogs find more enjoyment out of their gift wrapping paper as opposed to the present itself? <laughs> no, they will ignore the paper. They go nuts for the for the toys. Um, I'm also big on getting them the massive rawhide candy canes that you can get. Yep. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, that, that are like the length of their body. <laughs> but you, you, please don't tell me because I don't go on Facebook on Christmas Day. But you don't take photos of your dogs wearing Christmas hats and shit on Christmas morning and say, "Oh, Murphy loves his new presents." Do you? Please tell me you don't. No. Good. No, I've Thank never done you. that before. I might post photos of them playing or, you know, splashing in the pool or something like that. But um, they don't like hats, my dogs. Neither does Jet. No. Mm. He doesn't like glasses either. Yeah. No, I've always struggled to... Like, I look jealously at dogs that will wear hats and sunglasses. Ah, <laughs> oh, I wish. Yes. <laughs> uh, same way our wives look at us and go, oh, if only. Yeah. Yeah, they look jealously at husbands that shower every day and shave. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> so Fry's, like you said, stocking up on dog supplies, and Ben is very, very jealous of this. We get the Stonehenge, the skeleton, and the laser show. For me, mm-hmm. that gag sort of drags on a bit long. Like, I was just like, ah, I don't know. Go away, Bender. A little, I'm not, I wasn't a little interested bit. in Bender. You know, I think, I think it's because I was just waiting for the end, I guess, which sort of took away from the Bender story because I was like, oh, I'm not interested in Bender, you know? Stonehenge was funny. Like, that's that one did grab me and made that, me laugh yes. a lot. But the fact the, that it the kept next going. next two, yeah, not as much. Then we get another flashback and Fry's family are waiting for him uh, for New Year's Day. New Year's Day? Yeah, New Year's Day dinner. Yeah. Seymour comes but to, to, to tell the family, look, you've got to come with me, but they just don't listen to yep. him. Now, we get a Y2K gag here. That's dated now. Yeah, we have do. no idea what this is talking about. No, they absolutely wouldn't. But it was a scary time for a lot of people. I remember, it's funny, when I worked at Ford on the machines, there was this little plaque that said Y2K protected. <laughs> <laughs> So they've uh, like, gone through all the machinery at Ford and like made sure that it's going to survive the, the Y2K. The machinery. Oh, man. Whoever made that, like, that was just a ticket to make money. <laughs> oh, no, right. It was a genuine plaque in grades and everything, yeah. The thing about that is if Y2K was real, then everything would have been fucked up and no one would have any recourse to sue you anyway. No. So, it's, Might as well just make like, some money if you can. Yeah, it's a perfect scam. Just spend it all before the, the new millennium starts. Mm. But then uh, the family do not follow Seymour. They do not take him seriously. No, they don't. Uh, they get too distracted by the football game. Yes. Uh, like I said, the second time you're watching it, you're like, oh, just go with him. Just go with him, please. But they don't. Mm. We come back and we get the really weird moment of Leela and Amy fighting for whatever reason, practicing practicing protection, I guess. But wearing well, those outfits, you're like, what? Practicing in case the lasers get knocked way across the floor, which... I I, th- I laughed at that a little bit. It's like, you know, such an action movie trope. Bender's then got his own robot dog, Robo Puppy. Mm-hmm. The, that, actually, yep. the Robo Puppy is pretty funny. The Robo Puppy receiving petting. <laughs> <laughs> he then gets sick of Robo Puppy, throws him against the wall, and they go downstairs because the cloning device is ready. I love how the em- the professor was like the emperor here. Was the, the emperor from Star Wars like his hologram? Ah, oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. Cloning device sort of kicking into ac- like kicks into action. It's not long after that that Bender comes in trying to drag Fry away, saying that you know we've got to go perform the magic show. Fry's quite rightly tells him he's a little bit busy at the moment. Bender, in a fit of jealousy, picks up the dog, throws him into the lava. This moment here for me, I just could not, I couldn't believe it. I was like, holy shit, that is like the worst thing Bender could ever possibly do ever. Yes, it is. It's very hard to tolerate. It's it, it's. Almost the equivalent of watching him throw a baby across the room. It's, it's seriously, oh, I guess not. I guess people, it's, it's no, like it, it's, it's not. It's, it is to an extent. I know exactly what you're going for. Like it's, it's hitting like, the same emotional chord. Hundred percent. Like as in, yeah, like yes, in the in the absolute scale of things, if you weight up baby life versus puppy life, baby life is going to win out. But emotionally, you're like, no, I'm as connected to that puppy. So we come back from commercial and Fry is absolutely devastated as is every other viewer. He just cannot believe it. And it's not so much even anger. It's just upset. He's just absolutely just gutted that Bender would do this and take his best friend away from him, you know. The professor then reveals that he may have survived. And you're like, oh, cool. Okay, of course. As the, as the viewer, you're like, oh, finally. Like, good. I'm Thankfully that you're actually going to get the dog to live. Like, you think that you think mm. he's still going to get the happy ending when you're watching this for the first time. You're like, okay, cool. So the dog's yeah. still going to survive. Um, Fry's then about to risk his own life. And he yells out here, well, he'd come after me. And that's so true. Yes, it is. It's exactly what a dog owner would be thinking. He'd be doing the same thing for me, you know? Yeah. It's a funny question of would you risk your life for your pet? I would. I think I would too. Yeah. Um, within, uh, like, it's a thing of I would within reason. 
Yeah, if I knew there was a chance that I would survive, I would do it. If I knew that I'm, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to die. I know. I, I, well, God forbid I'm ever even in that situation. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, because then you've got to go. Well, hang on. If I if I die saving the dog, then I'm also leaving Ash behind. Yes, exactly like, right. And I've got, I'm so leaving Elliot behind as well. Yeah, I mean, if I lived a homeless life and the dog was all I had, then you know, fuck it. I'm saving Sergeant Pepper every day of the week. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Another flashback. Seymour tries to find Fry. Did you see did you see the sign at the putting golf? Yes, I did. I was going to point this out. Uh, unfortunately, like it's not the same name. It's not Sir Putz a lot, but yeah, I mean that makes sense. The business would change names, but, but was, not um, even the, the name, not, not the name of it. It's the sign of what it says. Why it's closed? Yeah, the, the Sim- but it's a callback to the Simpsons. So I was wondering if it was the same, um, same oh, business name. But oh, okay. I thought no. I thought it was. I thought it was. Um, fuck! I've got that joke completely wrong. Oh, oh, how did you take it? I had that joke as uh, he's going there to smell because you can smell fry. I thought the joke was that Fry was that person because Fry oh, had been right. there. Yeah, okay. I just I just figured that Fry went to mini golf a lot. That was the only way I'd taken it, and that the unsanitary condition was Homer and Marge still getting it on in the windmill, oh. and that like they just closed it off, cordoned it off, and never reopened it. I think you're completely right because it would have been about that same time. Yeah, I, great. Yeah, that's a good pickup. I that was completely lost on me. <laughs> I might be reading into it something that isn't there, but no, it felt right. It makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Uh, he then enters the cryogenics lab and we come back to real time again and Leela stops Fry from jumping into the lava because, you know, lava, hot, lava, kill him. Yep. Yes. As, uh, as R- if only Ruth from Dante's Peak had learned the same thing. <laughs> so there's a moment coming of, that you'll, you'll get to of such gobsmacking stupidity from one of the characters. Fry then cries into the lava. It's a really, really sad moment because he just thinks, I'm never going to see my best friend again. Bender then offers his magician handkerchief that you mentioned earlier and dives in to the rescue, which is him redeeming himself. We then get another flashback of Seymour actually finding Fry. I think this is the hardest of all the flashbacks, don't you reckon? Um, because he's yes. so close to him. He's there. Like he's he's literally yeah, it's, exactly. it's there. He's, he's getting dragged away from him. He's finally mm. found him and now they're taking him away. It's how my dogs feel every time I'm in the shower. <laughs> like I can see you just on the other side of the glass. Why can't I be with you? Jet's the same until I open the door and he's like, "Yeah, I don't want to get in there. No, it's wet. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and you're naked." So the parents then drag me away. But yeah, like I said, man, I wrote here, "What the fuck are they doing to my emotions?" It's just Leela <laughs> then uh, goes says, "I'm going to jump in and save him." No, you're not, Professor Lava. Hot, like we keep mentioning yep. before. We find out that Bender is 40% Dolomite. Bender redeems himself by realizing how sad Fry actually is that it's not doing this. It's just self-centered Bender thinking that everything is for himself, basically. Well, that was before um, the flashback, right? You realize this. Oh, yeah, true. But like, this is what drives him. Yes, yeah, yeah. Sorry, that is what drove him. And then Bender comes up from the ground. Yes. Yes. But yeah, like you said, like it was very, very important that they had Bender do this. Yeah, definitely. Uh, they, they really... Fuck, they really do a toy with your emotions. This is the... I don't think an episode of anything has toyed with my emotions so much as this. Think of another scripted television series that has toyed with your emotions as much as this episode has. Oh, I'm sure there'd be some out there. Um, look, Better Call Saul would have... Better Call Saul... Actually, no, Better Call Saul season three finale. Maybe it doesn't make me sad, but as far as toying with me, 100%. Um, it's, it's, not as, it's not as much as this. Breaking, For me, I don't think Breaking Bad, Ozymandias... Second to last episode where Walt gives the phone call. Yeah. Um, back to Skylar. There are a number of moments. There are definitely some West Wing episodes that would do it as well. Um, Noel would be one to, that springs to mind where 
uh, Josh Lyman is dealing with the aftermath of having been shot during an assassination attempt. So, like, they're, they're around, but, I mean, I'm also pulling out some pretty high-caliber shows to try to think of other examples. So, that shows the level that this is at. But I still think that, you know, you pull out, for example, the episode of Breaking Bad, you're looking forward to watching it. You're like, oh, this is a fucking great episode. The acting's amazing. I pull Jurassic Park out and I go, I can't watch it. I actually can't watch this. Yeah, look, it doesn't impact me that much. Mm-hmm. I can yeah. still... But there's nothing that does. I've never watched anything and went, oh, no, I can't watch that again. Uh, so they start cloning him finally and they realise he was 15 years old and we get the moment where Fry says, no, stop it. Uh, he would have lived a full life. He would have forgotten about me by now. And then for the whatever fucking reason they thought it was a good idea to do this, which it was, but you know <laughs> you know what I mean. They play the... It's, it's, it's the song as well. Like, oh, my God. It's beautiful. It's a really, really nice song. It's it's perfect. This this literally is the perfect ending to a scripted series, an episode mm. of a scripted series. It's just as sad as a, as gut wrenching as it is. I don't think this ending could have been any more perfect. Do you agree? No, no. It, it's 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 absolute. Um, it is perfection. There's, it couldn't be topped. So all in all, Mitch, what a fantastic episode this was. It, this I was a little bit concerned because great. because you said last week that. I don't know. It's, I'm, just, I'm just hoping it's not going to be one of those episodes that everyone remembers because of the ending. No, I, I really enjoyed this from start to finish as much as I possibly could. I love the fact that it talked with my emotions. It just shows how well it was written, how powerful it was. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's superb. Dando, what did you learn from the episode? I didn't do any what to learn. I just learned the fucking... If you have a dog, go out and cuddle them. Like you need to. What I learned is that you need to enjoy every moment you have with your dog because like you said at the start of the episode, they're not here for very long. You know, Labrador's 12 mm. to 15 years. If you get that much, you're, you're doing well. Sometimes your dog might be annoying you, but just remember, they love you and they are loyal to the end, so don't be mad at them. Just love them as much as you can because they love you twice as much back. Well, that's... Um, I'm not going to top that. That'll do for what I learned as well. That's never happened before. <laughs> no. Well, you, you rarely speak so eloquently. <laughs> uh, Mitch, anything else we should be telling the uh, listeners before we uh, go? Like, uh, not, 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 not final words. I'm just saying, is there anything else you want to discuss before we go? I know what you meant. No, um, I not really. No, like, thank you, uh, as always, for your support. And Thank you to Reese Hall. Uh, for your, for yeah, thank you to Reese Hall. We will continue with our regular Futurama review, getting back into season one. Um, we'll then be... We're also doing Holidays of Future Past, a request from Dylan Haggard. Mm. That'll be getting done soon in the coming weeks. And just in general, like we, we, there's a strong support to continue with the Futurama reviews. We'll also possibly mix it up from time to time and just drop in something else. Because, I mean, after three years of talking about pretty much the same stuff, it's just nice to be able to freshen it up and talk about something different. So, Well, Nicola and I are going through Breaking Bad at the moment, so I'd love to review Ozyman Dias. Is that how you pronounce it? Ozzy... Ozymandias. Ozymandias. Yep. I'd love to review that episode once I finish watching the lot again. Sure. Okay. Um, but yeah, so little bits and pieces when we when we come up to things. We could even do like a, I mean, just Breaking Bad season recap, season by season instead of episode by episode. Yeah. Why don't we do the, um, why don't we do Better Call Saul when it comes back? Uh, yeah, that's an option as well. But outside of that, yeah, like it's just, if there's anything else that you guys want from us, from these Patreon reviews, or if you have any ideas, um, continue to, like keep sending them in our way and again like we we really do appreciate the support thank yeah. you very much and, th- and recently there hasn't been as much extra content that's been my fault you know it's being a dad's taken up more time than i thought it was going to uh but thank you so much for sticking by us you guys understand the difficulties of being a dad and trying to adjust to all the new roles that i have to do 
being up all night and stuff. Like, it's just, I can hear Elliot crying now. It's just, it, it, it's, it gets hard at times, but just, I just want to say thank you guys for not jumping off the bandwagon, for just sticking through, even though we haven't been dishing out as much content as we should be. Yeah. And it's not, Mitch, and it, and it's, it's not Mitch's fault. It's completely my fault. <laughs> for the first time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Jurassic Park, an amazing episode. If you can, if you can stomach it, go back and watch it because it's it's brilliant. It's the it is the best Futurama episode ever written, hands down, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Dando, any final words? Mm, my final words would be fuck you, Reese Hall, for making me review this episode. 